Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Backyard Brawl post-game podcast. We're actually recording on Friday. Yeah, we're recording but on Friday. We it's a little late. That yeah, four-hour extravaganza last night have been a little late. And I got back from the beach a little That's bit right. late. Yep. So, yeah. So it's just, as you can hear, you just have Michael Indonesio, Mark Clemente this week. Tom is somewhere. It was his birthday week, so he's probably off still celebrating somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He's not here. He's a no-show, <laughs> yeah, right. so he's not, we're right. going to have to hold down the fort. Exactly. But we got my son, Austin. That's right. here. He's, and shout-out, Austin. We shouted him out before, but we wouldn't be on episode 27 without him. We'd be we, on episode 7 because the first 20 would have never <laughs> right, been downloaded exactly. to the uh, Spotify website because we're, we're uh, right. Thankfully, tech, Aust- not tech-savvy. Yeah, no, not, not at all. So Austin was, was kind enough in the midst of every teaching week. every yeah. week to uh, – to upload the podcast, so shout out. Probably rolling Austin. his eyes while he was doing it, but yeah. he did it for us. He anyway. did it, yep. Hopefully he was able to listen to some of it, enjoy it, so it wasn't so painful. But anyway, we're back. Pitt, backyard brawl last night. Um, I've read a bunch, listened to a bunch last night. People think it was a great game. I thought it was awful. I thought it was a poorly played game on both sides of the ball. I think it was poorly coached by the Panthers. Um, I think the players, listen, I love the players, and, and we get, they're college players, so I'm not going to go too hard on them, but they read the press, press clippings, as they say. Um, and what I thought, if you listen to the podcast from last week, I thought Pitt was going to run the ball down West Virginia's throat, and it was the exact opposite. Um, so certainly, as Coach Narduzzi has said, and we'll talk about his game day performance here in a minute, but... Um, they have a lot to clean up going into Tennessee next week. We, Tennessee, you know, they play Ball State, so take it for what it's worth. But last I checked, I mean, it was embarrassing. It was thirty-eight nothing in the first half. Fifty-nine ten. Fifty-nine ten. Yeah. I mean, this team's no joke. They're an SEC team. Uh, I love their coach, Josh Heupel. He did a wonderful. He's been great wherever he's been. He's obviously doing the same thing at Tennessee. Um, so if they come out like that next week against a real team. Um, and yes, I said a real team. I think at the end of the season, we're going to look back. You're going to see West Virginia is a very, seven, a very average team. Six. Yeah, very average team. That's all. Back. That's yeah. what they are. Um, plain and simple, Pitt did not perform at the level where they should have. This is a performance that you would have seen in years past. This is why Tommy has gone nuts on the podcast previously. Um, they just weren't ready to play the way I saw it. Um Michael, you know, so we started on that, but anything that you liked from that game last night? Any, anything I liked from that game last night? Wow. Um, not much. I got to be honest. Uh, you know, re, I had to rewatch it today because I, I, was, I was a little tired <laughs> from the seven-hour drive back from Bethany Beach. So the, the uh, second half was a little, a little bit of a blur yeah, for you last night. A little bit of a blur. I seen it, but did I really see it? So I right. watched it again today. Um, Signetti mm-hmm. said he was going to run the football. Mm-hmm. Now, to his credit, he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't run it anywhere, but right. he ran. He ran. Uh, 39 carries for 74, 79 Nine yards, yards yep. one point some yards right. a carry. They did have three rushing touchdowns. Hammond looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be the starter moving forward. Well, Is he looked tentative to me last night? We'll talk about it. We're going negative. It's so easy to go negative with that game last night. Let's stay on the good stuff. Yeah, no, no. Rodney was running decisively hard. Um, you know, he scored. The offensive line – Run blocking wasn't great. Uh, the pass blocking, I didn't think, was bad. Right, I agree. And I will say, shout out our boy Jay Cradle. Yes. He was the best offensive lineman on the field last night. 
Yeah, he was. And I'm not, we're not saying that because he's, he's a friend our, of the right, show. Right, like, right. You know, we know the kid uh, personally. He was the best offensive lineman on Pitt's five starters last night. Um, other than Hammond and Signetti, at least didn't go away from it. Right. Right. That's the only good things that I good, really good things that I seen last night. For me, I was I agree. Hammond, uh, he ran with a purpose. He ran with conviction. He ran north south. He shorter, you know, shorter pad level was low where you want it to be for running back. Um, so you know, kudos to him. Uh, without him last night, they lose that game. Uh, Jake again played phenomenal on the offensive line. Um, defensively, I liked Morgan. Morgan played very well. He, he stepped did. up. Uh, you know, one another one of our guys, Deslin, um, was lost to injury in the first quarter. Hopefully, he's going to be able to bounce back soon. Um, but in his absence, John Morgan stepped up and played very well. And Servassier played well. I think he was playing sideline to sideline. Uh, he was very vocal out on the field. He was doing what he, he could uh, to lead the troops. And then, of course, the hero of the game, MJ Devonshire. Um, he played very well, I thought, the entire game. Okay. He was the one corner I thought that showed up and he played did. well. He made some plays. He made early some plays. He did. And they went away from play. him. If you're talking about the. The touchdown return yeah, for yeah. interception that touchdown. That a gift. Well, it was not only a gift. If he was actually where he was supposed to be, it wouldn't have been intercepted. He was five yards away from the receiver. Right. I've never seen a, a good college wide receiver. And, he, and Ford played very well yes, last he night. He was West fantastic. Virginia's best offensive player. That was player. a good pass yep. by Daniels, and it just went through his hands. I don't give him credit for intercepting the ball. What no. I do give him credit for is returning it right. for the touchdown. Uh, that's what saved the game. Listen, without that – Pitt probably loses that yeah, game. Yeah, they're probably zero and one at this point. And we'll talk. Yeah, we're going to get there. Um, so I would say that's what I liked about the game. And listen, I, I, I saw a lot of people questioning Signetti's game plan on the Panther layer after the game and during the game. I had no problem with it. That was, as I said, I thought that's what they and they should have been able to do that. Yeah, that wasn't on him. That was on the offensive line and on Izzy. For running very tentative, um, I thought. He wasn't hitting the holes. Um, he was dancing a little bit in the backfield. He just seemed a little unsure of himself. Yeah. He came, he, when Hammond got hurt and he came back in, that was the Izzy we all thought we were going to see. Um, but we didn't see it until the fourth quarter. Well, you hope one of these running backs takes this job and runs with it at some point. Now, Hammond was in a walking boot after the game. Yeah, is that what it Okay. So, I'm not quite sure if he's going to be ready next week. Now That's we've been good. talking all all these episodes past how how deep this team mm-hmm. is. Well, you'd see Deslin go down. You see Hammond. Now, I don't know if Hammond will be ready next week. It might be a week. It might do. I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, right. And you're not going to know because Narduzzi doesn't is tell like you the anything. FBI, you yeah, know, he yeah. doesn't tell you anything. So we say they have depth. Well, we're one game into the season. We're going to find okay. out real quick how, how how good their depth is. That's a great point. Yeah, we we will definitely find out. Um, you know, thank Devonshire also, or Dennis went down also. Thankfully, he came back because uh, if they lose him, ball game. Um, like I said, without him last night, I think they would have been that score would have been a little bit higher um, because the outside linebackers, the two new outside linebackers this year, the star and the money, uh, Bengali Kamara and the transfer from Notre Dame, Shane Simon. Yeah, they did okay in pass coverage. Yeah, yeah. Um, Simon but West had a Virginia, pass defense in yeah, the first quarter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But against the run. Well, that was alarming. 
that was very alarming. So yeah. let's talk about this. So let's talk about what we didn't like. Well, I could sit here all day. Yeah, I mean, we how could. long do we have? Um, yeah, if from my perspective watching the game, um, I, I didn't like what anything Slovis did, other than mm-hmm. the first completion to Wayne over the middle, that crossing route where he kind of threaded the needle. You're right. Um, they they kind of protected him a little bit. Everything mm-hmm. was safe. Yes. Everything was safe. Screen passes, slants, yes. seven-yard slants. Yeah, everything yep. was really safe. Um, his pocket presence is not good. Mm-hmm. He was sacked five times. Um, he did have a scramble outside. Uh, it, it, the defensive end got sucked on too low, and he scrambled yeah. for 14 yards. He looked like he was dragging a refrigerator <laughs> on his back. But he got gained 14 right. yards. But his pocket presence to me just doesn't – I, for me, right. and I'm, I know anybody that listens to the podcast, we're big Nick Patty fans. We know everybody right. knows that. <laughs> right. I'm still rooting for Pitt, and this guy did not show me. I know he threw for 300 yards, but most of them were yak yards. Yeah, exactly. Wayne caught that short yes. pass, took it to the one yard line. So yep. I didn't like. Well, Abanacanda, same thing. He had 20 yards after that catch for the touchdown, and same with Rodney. The screen he took for 45 or whatever it right. was. So the down 303 the really is indicative. It was he only threw the ball 24 times. He completed 16 of them. Listen, he threw a pass that should have been intercepted on the sideline. That defensive mm-hmm. back stepped right in front of it right. and couldn't get either of his feet in bonds. I mean, a second earlier, he picks that and goes right. for a touchdown. Yep. So that should have been one pick. Well, he just didn't. There's a few. And, and Bob Means is getting a, a lot of criticism for the drop ball he had. What people, don't, at least what I think, and I think the film would show if you had the 22 film. Means was running a post, right? And Slovis threw to the inside, like a slant, right? So Bub has to turn his entire body, and it's pretty, he lost the ball in the lights because he had to adjust to the poorly thrown ball. If he throws the post to the outside yeah. where it should have been, that's six. The way he looked over. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's so what, I don't think it's fair that Bub takes the criticism, all the criticism for that. He certainly no, was no, in his hands. He no, should cut I mean, it. I get that. Yes, but that was not where the ball should have been. And that's what we talked about with Kenny. Kenny always yeah. put the ball where the ball needed to be, and then the receiver could do something with it. He, he was so accurate with his throws. Yes. This kid was a little bit – Under 10 yards, pinpoint accuracy. Well, I yeah, think I, right? under 10, under 10 honestly, yards, yeah. I could have pinpoint accuracy. It's not a very far throw. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I saw last night. Right, That's what we heard about Slovis coming into the game, accuracy, arm strength. He has the arm strength. I will definitely give him credit for that. I mean, he can throw the ball. There's no two ways. But the accuracy – and then he had Mumfield open, right? Now, he was running like a 22-yard slant. Mumfield had – the guy was five yards behind him, and he overshot him by 10 yards. That's six. And that's not getting talked about enough. No, so, I, no, Slovis was one of the things that I thought, you know, at, the, at halftime I'm thinking, wow, you know, this, this could go sideways. Mm-hmm. And it almost did. I mean, listen. listen they should have lost that game. Let's yeah. be honest with Daniel, themselves. I mean, if that the pass Daniels throws, Devonshire doesn't – I mean, the, the, when does that ever happen? Right. I mean, he yeah. hit him right in his hands, went through his hands. He catches it. He actually stood there for a second like, oh, shit, right. I have the ball. Yeah. You know, he was not <laughs> right. even expecting it. Um, another thing I didn't like. Uh, they didn't use Bartholomew at all. One catch for nine yards. And I saw at least a handful of plays. And Austin, feel free to chirp him. You were at the game, right? Mm -hmm. So you you saw it much better than we did, obviously. I saw him open on, like I said, at least a handful of plays. And Slovis just didn't see him. Well, his progression of reads is is not where we're we're used to. And, you know, all these – 
pundits are saying, you know, for Pitt to go 12-0, and he has to be really close to Kenny. After one game? He's nowhere near him. He's nowhere near right. So, and, and I keep trying to tell people, and Pitt fan, that's great. You know, Slovis, blah, blah, give him a shot. He had a very good game. They point to the stats. He lost his job to a freshman last year. Lincoln Riley goes to USC and immediately brings Caleb Williams with him. He doesn't try to keep Slovis. He brings Caleb. Now, I get Caleb Williams is one of the supposedly one of the top quarterbacks in college football this year. But if Slovis was all of that and he was that good of a quarterback, Lincoln Riley would have done everything he could to keep him there as well. He let him walk. I, I think we saw last night, it was a microcosm of all the negative we heard about Keaton and why he's lost the job at USC. Um, and the other thing that I saw that was very disheartening in, in, in current day college football, you have to have some athleticism. Right? We saw it from Nick in the, in the one series. And yes, I know, we, as Michael said, we love Nick. But look at the bowl game before Nick got hurt. Michigan State had the same game plan as West Virginia. They were blitzing off the ends constantly on that drive that, that Nick drive, marched on the field. And he made them pay for and it. And he made yeah, them pay. Yeah, the athletic ability between the two. It's not, it's not, it's not, not even close. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, like I said, the, the slowest thing, obviously, not getting Bartholomew uh, involved in the offense at all when you got a talented tight end like that to not even look his way. Um, and then uh, defensively, if we're talking about the beef, the most alarming thing was the, the run defense. The yeah. amount of oh. yards that West Virginia was able to gain on the ground was really alarming because they're not a good run team, and that's what they wound up doing mm-hmm. all all day on pit. I mean, and we thought it was going to be the other way around. That was that was alarming. I, I like I said, my, my my dad always used to say, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I mean, so right. they're one and zero. One and zero is one and zero. But if you're looking at it over a totality of a season, they got to get markedly better by next week mm-hmm. because Tennessee is much better than West Virginia, much better. Yeah. Even though they're not ranked, they're they're in the SEC. If Tennessee was in the ACC, they'd be one of the top three right. or four teams in the ACC. There's no doubt in my mind that would be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got they got an athletic quarterback. They got a great great running game. If Pitt comes out and plays a first half like they did against West Virginia, they're going to be one and one next week. No, I agree with that. And, and the run defense is very alarming, especially when their defensive line is supposed to be one of the best in the country. What I saw was an offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, who was known for his quote-unquote air raid, sticking it to Pitt. Pitt came in with one game plan, and here comes West Virginia with another on the offensive side of the ball. And they didn't adjust. And they didn't adjust. And, you know, so kudos to Graham Harrell. Randy Bates, clean it up. Um, and I can't understand why they couldn't adjust through three quarters. We've seen it um, in the past. Yeah. We've got a head coach that's a former defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He loves to pound his chest about his defenses. Well, you're you're the head honcho, bro. Mm-hmm. You are the one that got to change the game plan. When a team changes what they're doing, it's a chess match. Mm-hmm. Football's, I mean, obviously we know it's a violent physical game, but it's also a chess match. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it in past games. The Western Michigan game last year. I mean, they could not stop Western Michigan for, on any with drive. that RPO, no, not so it. that oh, that's that brings up another point. The RPO is a very important part of Signetti's offense, right? And with an RPO, a quarterback should have three options, right? And correct me if I'm wrong here. Three options: the reading the defensive end to see if the defensive end's crashing. So obviously, one option is the running back, right? The other is your hot read. The third 
which we will never, ever, ever see, is the quarterback running the ball, right? It's a three-way go with the RPO. Well, with Pitt, it's a two-way go. And oh. you, you can't, you're yeah. not going to see the true RPO. Like, Dracovich last year at Boston College, he's a lot like Kenny. He's athletic. He's strong. He can move. And so you saw him. I forget how many carries he had last year, but he had a bunch because Slovis, they're running the RPO. Slovis takes that out of our offense. He really does. Yeah, he and, does. and so that, that's just another thing to, to ponder and think about as you're listening to this podcast. If you're pro, so that's great. I mean, listen, I don't wish any ill will on this kid, but I'm a Pitt fan. Like you said, I'm a Pitt fan. I want this team to go 12-0. and And from what we saw last night, and get, granted, it was his first game at Pitt. I will give him the benefit of the doubt for, for last night. But next Saturday, we better start seeing more. No question. No question. I, I Like I said, I, I like Tennessee coming into the season. I told you last week when we made our seasonal picks, I thought the Tennessee game was going to be a loss. Yep. I still feel that way. I still feel like this is a 9-3 and three football team. They're Hopefully. Co- they're coached. My, my dad always said that Zebra never changes its stripes. I know I keep referring to Coach's, <laughs> right. you know, his, Coach's his, sayings. His sayings, but a Zebra never changes its stripes. Narduzzi's been here how long? How many years yeah, has he yeah, let us yeah. down except for one? And that's what so, – so last night I became – I couldn't sleep last night. And I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about the game. And I'm saying to myself, I'm very, I become very concerned that because Pitt had the best quarterback in college football last year, Aside Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, I get that. So one of the top three. He covered up a lot of the typical warts we see from Pitt football with a Narduzzi coach team. And now that Kenny football's not there, we're going to go back to seeing those warts again. Until he proves us wrong. Right. And, and, and he's yet to do that. Every year he's been here. And, and mm-hmm. like I, I've said on previous podcasts, there's no other athletic director in the country that would have given him this many opportunities that he's had. I mean, there's there's none. I mean, Joe Moorhead, you know, my best friend, right. went to Mississippi State. They asked him for three things. They asked him to have a winning record, go to a bowl game, beat Old Miss, and graduate players. He did all three, and he was fired in two years. Yeah. This guy's been mediocre mm-hmm. for, what, eight years? Out mm-hmm. of, you know, in one good year. So he still has to prove it to me. And last night he did not prove it to me. If this was a different team they were playing, there's a good chance they would have lost it. It might not even have been close. Right. Yeah, so we'll see. Time will tell. Um, Tennessee uh, next Saturday. It's going to be a huge game. Because if this team has national championship aspirations, as they do, and that's that's what they've been talking about all preseason, you can't afford to lose this game next Saturday. You can't. Well, you can't have any missteps, but – you're playing an SEC, te- SEC team. You gotta win that game. Well, you can't have a misstep in the ACC. You can have a misstep in the SEC because it's so so heavy with great teams. Right. But in the ACC, there's no margin for error in the ACC because it's not a strong football conference. Even though it's quote unquote a power conference, other people in, around the country look at the ACC as weak, and it is weak for the mm-hmm. most part. There's Clemson's good, Miami's good, Pitt's good. Virginia's okay. Wake Forest is okay. I mean, they're preseason ranked 22, but are they that good? I don't mm-hmm. know. you got four or five teams that are good, but you don't have any juggernauts like the right. SEC. So you're right. You can't have a misstep in the ACC. If you have one, you're pretty much out of it. I agree. Um, before we move on to the Steelers, a couple more things I didn't like off the field. 
I'll be curious to get your take. So at the barn, the bonfire, whatever the you know the rally that they had Tuesday night, Wednesday uh, night, whatever yeah, that was. Yeah. Slovis, and it's just going to sound like we're picking on him, but he, I'm sorry, he, he screwed up. He gets the mic. He's the very last guy to get the mic, and he's wearing the C, right? Let's not forget he's that. He's a captain. He's a captain. He gets the mic, and he stands up, and he says one more thing. Fuck West Virginia. Excuse me. That's what he said. I'm quoting Keaton Slovis. I had a huge problem with that. Yeah, I, it was... It, it's uncalled for, um, and, and it's, it's that's a poor reflection yeah, it, on the team it, and yeah, the university. Is, you know, um, and I know some people disagree. A good buddy of mine, Mike Swanson, who I worked with PNC forever, he, he's like, "Look, I don't have a problem with language. It's fine." He's trying. I have a big problem with that. It's yeah, classless. It was classless, and your leaders shouldn't be saying things like that. I mean, he could have went many different directions with that statement. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, he could have pumped up the crowd a different right. way. Yeah. And, right. Maybe that shows you a little insight into his mentality. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was just, even before the game, you know, when I saw that and I heard it, um, you know, listen, one of my favorite moments in, it was Tyler Palco after the Notre Dame game saying that he loved his fucking teammates. I'm okay with that. It's the heat of the moment. It was a huge win, huge upset at the time. He's got caught up in it. I guarantee Palco it's wouldn't not, have said that before a game. It wasn't the language. I don't have. A, I use that word like it's the. Well, I, I do I, too. I was, but, I was, just the way I grew up. Sometimes yeah. I, mean, I, I obviously can't use it everywhere. I don't <laughs> use it here. Right. I do sometimes, but it slips out. Yeah. But you can use that word in a different connotation. That wasn't the way to use it there. That, Fair enough. So we've I, heard. Yeah. Look, yeah. look, remember David Bednar came off after beating right. the Padres, and he was emotional, and yeah, he dropped an f bomb, but. Well, I'm okay with the yes, heat of the moment. A, there's a different, you're competing, your adrenaline's flowing. It, I mean, yes. so you can't help. But in a scenario like where you have actually time to think about what you want to say, and it, it's just it, 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 no, it's it rubbed, the, it rubbed me, a it rubbed me bit the wrong, wrong way. Yeah, I, I didn't like it either. And like I said, I know people, whoever's listening, probably are thinking, boy, right. these guys really pick on Slovis all the time. Well, it gives us a reason to. Right. Uh, <laughs> so far, his one game he's played has been, eh. yeah. I mean, right. like I said, if you look at the numbers without seeing the game, you're thinking he had a good game. Right. He really didn't. Yeah. If you really break it down and really break down the tape, he didn't have a great game. Uh, a lot of yak yards. And then, you know, like I said, these kind of things off the field, he's just, a, I, I don't know, I, I haven't gotten a good read on him yet because mm -hmm. I haven't heard him talk a lot. I've right. heard him talk a little bit. Um, I don't know if he's a leader. I, yeah. Some guys are just not leaders. And I, I don't, uh, we're, we're going to find gonna, out. We're going to find out yeah, for sure. Yeah. Before we move on, and I know you I have wanna, one more oh, thing. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. Get your thoughts on this. And Austin, you're feel, feel free to, to chirp in. Um, after the game, did you see when... Scott Van Pelt, who I love. I mean, he's the one guy. Well, there's a few guys on ESPN that I like, but I love Van Pelt. And by all accounts, he's a tremendous human being. So he's interviewing Narduzzi. And first question he asks, Coach, is about the atmosphere. And Coach said, yeah, it was great. But instead of him continuing to, our fans are wonderful, can't thank them enough, this was awesome, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I seen it. Yeah, he then proceeds to berate ESPN for saying that, and it was a tweet from Herb Street or something. I don't know the whole story, but Herb Street, uh, Kirk Herb Street, for those of you who don't know, is one of the main college football guys on ESPN. Um, I'm personally not a fan, but whatever. That that's neither here nor there. Said something that was going to be 75 percent West Virginia fans. Well, that's where I was it. going with this. So yeah. I, and this is to Austin. Austin, you were there. Were there 75 percent no, West I, Virginia fans? No, I don't think there were 75 percent. I mean, it, if we were talking percentages, maybe 50 50. 
because um, I think most of the most of the West Virginia fans they were on the upper decks. Okay, all the lower decks were mm-hmm. all Pitt fans. Uh, you had a mix of West Virginia fans here and there on the lower part, but it seemed I think there were more Pitt fans definitely than. And you can hear that. And, and, right? yeah. and also, I think you can get confused on television because he was at the game because the team colors are so similar. Sure, right, you right. see yellow, you think, listen, when West Virginia scores a touchdown, their fans that were there right. are going to cheer. Yeah. I mean, but that doesn't mean it's 75%. But right. I know where you're going with this. Like, Yeah, and he couldn't let it go. So, And, and Van Pelt even said, whoa, 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 I didn't say it. It wasn't me. He asked him the next question, and Narduzzi says it again. And – Van Pelt had to get to the point where he's like, I know you're mad, but he's like, I didn't say it. And once again, a poor reflection on the program in the university. Let it go. Yeah. If you want to make the point out of the gate, right, and, and just, you know, supposedly defend Panther Nation, I get that. But then let it go. He can't let it go. And you to also- the point where it's awkward. It became very awkward. And it's like, who is this stooge? That's the head coach at Pitt. Yeah, and Van Pelt's been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. and he knows how to defuse a situation. And it seemed it, it did look a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. to see it. it, it and Arduzzi got to know where he's coaching too. You got to remember, and I when we talk about this, we talk about West Virginia. West Virginia is a college football town. They don't have professional right. football there. We're one of the few power conference teams, and we can go up and mm-hmm. down. Now Miami's in the right, same right. boat we are, but right. all these other schools. All they have is their college team. So they come out in droves. That's all they have. Good, bad, doesn't matter. They right. show up. In a professional sports town like Pittsburgh, you you got so many other places to spend your dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to sell out games. Yes, they sold the game out, and that was great. If 50% were Pitt and 50 per, uh, 50% were West Virginia, that's fine. Look at the Penn State game when they mm-hmm. play Penn State. Anytime Notre Dame comes in here, that place right. is almost packed. As long as it's packed, we're never going to sell out. I don't care how good this team is. I really don't. They could be number one in the country, and if they were playing Ball State as number one in the country, they'd have like 12,000 fans in That's just what Pitt is. And right. I, why he doesn't know that by now, I mean, he's been here long enough to know that right. this is a professional sports time. So why get petty about something right. like that? Why call it? Listen, I mean, the other thing is Herb Street's at the game, right? If you had an issue with it, you go to EJ Borghetti, my man EJ, who's the best in the game at what he does. And he you say, with this guy. Yeah. And you say, okay, EJ, who made that comment? Was it Herb Street? I thought, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then you go talk to Herb Street and you throw it in his face and just go up to him and say, Herbie, get your facts right before you post stupid shit. That's, you don't berate somebody who had no he's involvement in it whatsoever. Game, right. Yeah. yeah. He's trying. This is feel good. This is a great opportunity. To continue to build on the goodwill from all day, ESPN being a pit, and you got a national audience, and he comes out right. with that, and that, that's and, and if you don't know who he is, you're like, who is this yeah. guy? Yep. I mean, I, I, I it's a great opportunity for him on a personal level to build his reputation nationally, and for him to help build the program nationally, the entire program, and he failed miserably. Yeah, it, it was a bad interview. And yeah, it, I mean, it's it's just frustrating, but. You know, my emotions were running high last night. So, to begin with, I mean, I felt like when you, my wife, Amanda, even said to me after the game, it's like you're, they lost. Well, In my mind, they did. Well, see, that's the thing that has changed since last year. Right. In previous Ex- years, we'd have just been happy. No matter right. how they won a game, they got lucky, great. We're happy. Right. Now, we're, the expectations have yes. changed. What I keep saying on every podcast, they're no longer the hunter, they're the hunted. Hunt. 
and we're going to see if they can handle the pressure of no. teams coming in every right. week trying to beat them. Listen, a win's a win. You take it, you move on, you learn from it. You Hopefully the kids spend a lot of time with the film, they break it down, they improve upon all the mistakes that they made. But the expectations time. are different. Exactly. That's why we feel kind of empty about yes. the win. And I guess that's a good thing. That means your program's heading in the right direction. Great but point. again, next week, completely different football team. Right. All right, let's talk about the other football team in town, the Steelers. Obviously, no game this week. They play the Bengals next week. They kick off the 2022-23 the season. They did make some moves earlier this week on cutdown day. A couple things I want to talk to you about. They made two trades. As we talked about, this team has some weaknesses. Offensive line being a huge one. So they went out and acquired Davis, uh, the swing offensive lineman from the Vikings. Uh, but prior to that, let's focus on the positive first. They acquired outside linebacker, the Reed, the outside linebacker from the Broncos, who filled in for Bradley Chubb last year. 13 games he started, 13 sacks. This is a quality backup. I love that move. Okay, you're addressing the need that they had. And they needed more depth. And they, Yeah, outside linebacker. So if TJ or Highsmith, Highsmith who's you know injury prone over the course of his career, they go down, you're not – I mean, listen, TJ's TJ. He's in a stratosphere of his own. But if Highsmith goes down, you plug this guy in, I don't think you skip a beat. Yeah. No, no I, I thought that was a good move. I mean, I was shocked that they were able to pick up a linebacker so close to the beginning of the season. We talked about it before. Tommy said it. I even said, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody out right. there. Well, they were able to swing a trade for something that is a strength for Denver, mm -hmm. that they have depth at, that they decided to let this guy go, and the Steelers needed more depth at that position. We talked about it before. I mean, more to the inside, but right. you can never have enough linebackers. Right. And I thought that was a good move for them. And it, it hopefully um, he gets a chance to show what he can do. If Highsmith either doesn't play well or he gets injured, he can step in. And the other guys we had behind Well, Tuska is no longer with the team. Right. They released him. Um, and they have a couple guys on the practice squad now, Delonte Scott. They, but, yeah, now they have three NFL-caliber outside linebackers. And it, like I said, it was a good move. And now we're going to talk about the offensive line, which I don't know if they're purposely trying to collect the worst <laughs> linemen in, in the National I Football League. I have no League. idea what they're doing. Um, uh, Tommy has said before he likes the moves, and we've talked. I I personally like reading pro football focus, and some people say, and you heard it, right. what did the, you hear? The, the nerds. Don't pay attention to what the nerds at Pro Football Focus have to no, say. No, the guys at Pro Football Focus, the guys that crunch the numbers are nerds because they're <laughs> mathematicians. The guys that give them the numbers are ex-players that played those positions, and they watch every single snap of every single player at the position that they played and analyze them and then give the numbers to the nerds and then the nerds break them down. Right. The nerds are not the guys breaking the film so, down. That's the difference between pro football focus and say the analytics you find in baseball. Right. The analytics in baseball are just nerds. <laughs> I mean, there's no players involved, they're just nerds. And that's why baseball sucks right. to watch yeah. now because right. it's run by a bunch of nerds, nerds that never played the game. But pro football focus actually has ex-football players breaking down every single play. This guy they picked up from the Vikings, was literally the worst. worst. <laughs> I mean, there's he's. I mean, somebody got to be last. We got him. Right. So, kudos to them. They, yeah, they picked up the worst offensive lineman in the NFL to back up probably the fifth worst <laughs> offensive lineman in the in the NFL. So that's that's where this offensive line is. And I keep harping on the point. We're going to get into the season. They're still not going to be able to run the ball. I mean, Najee he might get a thousand yards just by attrition because they're just going to keep handing right. it to him. 
and he's going to average under four yards of carry. And Trubisky, we're going to be in the same, but we keep talking. The only difference between Trubisky and Roethlisberger is Trubisky can run, yep. and he's going to need to. Yep. I mean, he better put his Nikes on because he's going to be running around quite a bit because that offensive line stinks, and you're going to see it in the first game. Yeah, I, they've done nothing to improve it. If anything, they possibly could be better uh, or could be worse than they were last year, if that, that's even possible. Um, but as you've mentioned, uh, Trey Turner, I think, was an upgrade over anybody they have at guard this year. And he's out of football. And he's out of football. So that should tell you something. Uh, you have the same two tackles. Uh, a lot of talk has, has been – I've heard a lot this past week over maybe moving Chooks to left tackle. We keep talking about the musical chairs. It's I don't care what position on the line you put them, they still got to block somebody. Right. I mean, there's going to be a guy lined up on the other side of you, whether you're a guard, tackle, center – and there's, you're going to have to block that guy, whoever that guy is. So if you want to play musical chairs and just move shitty offensive linemen to, in the different positions, doesn't mean they're not going to be shitty anymore. Right. So I, I just I don't see it. I've watched all three preseason games. Uh, the Lions game, that last one, you know, we we seem to play more starters than other teams. Mm-hmm. I've watched a bunch of preseason games this year, and I mean, I, I didn't see in the third preseason game any starters for most teams. Um, you know, the Lions offensively didn't. Goff didn't play, right? You know, yeah. uh, you know, Armand Ross, Ross and Brown, he played, yeah. the only guy. Him and Hawkinson played, you right? Know. There's two top running backs didn't play. Swift and, and no, and so Jamal it was hard Williams. to gauge yeah. anything off of that game. And so, I, but what I seen in the first two games, I think, is going to be a microcosm of what we're going to see in the regular season. I mean, football's football, and when you go out there, the guys in front of you, and you can't block them, you're going to have problems. Right. And I know Tommy said, "Look, you got to give them some time to gel." I understand that. And I appreciate that. However, when they stink, they stink, and, and gelling has nothing to do with it. No. And, and it. And that's what I looked at in the preseason, in, in the second preseason game and the third preseason game. I was looking mano a mano. Can this guy beat the guy lined up against him? Because that's basically what it is in preseason. Can they go head-to-head and win that battle? And unfortunately, the Steelers have way too many, if all of them, that lose that battle the majority of the time. And to me, that's all I needed to see. As I said, I mean, you could line these five guys up together from now until 2029, and they're playing 30, you know, 300 games together, and they're still not going to be good because they're not good. No, I, I like. I mean, I no said, offense, you know, but they're just not very the, good. The old saying is, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. Right. Right. So the, the offensive line, they addressed it. But they didn't address it the right way. And I think the problems are still going to be there that they had last year. And they're not going to be able to get the ball to the guys they need to get the ball to against good football teams. And that's why I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. I mean, if I'm proved wrong, then you guys can hammer me. But I, I, you know, I don't see it. I just don't see it this year. Let me ask you do you like any of them? Did anything surprise you on cut down day that they did? No. Anybody they kept, anybody they cut. No, I, it was it was pretty straightforward across the board, and and that's like with any team. I, I you, you see names get cut, mm-hmm. but they were names. They're no longer players anymore. Sony Michelle's those mm-hmm. kind right. of guys. Yeah. You, you know, you cut. They they seem to cut down the right guys. I, I didn't say, oh, I can't believe they cut that guy. Yeah. Okay. So and the, nothing that they did well, was there's there anybody. One, yeah, one for me, Derek Watt. How does this? I mean, do they really need? to continue to make TJ happy by keeping his brother around because he's a special he's special teams ace. You're paying him all that money to be a special teams ace? Well, he's not Matthew Slater. 
Right. I mean, okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, but that's why supposedly they keep them. as the you know the, the gunner. I mean, right. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Yeah. That might be. That's the one for me. That's well, the, like, it, how does this guy continue to make the team? Well, they don't use a fullback. So what's the purpose? Right. Of yeah. It? Yeah. Being he's taking up a roster spot. Right. The depth we could use somewhere else. One thing I'll say is if you're going to make somebody happy, it should be T.J. Watt. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if he asks you to keep his mother on the roster, you're like, all right, I'm going to find a spot for her on the roster. I give her a uniform. Just stay way in the back. I mean. That's the one guy you say, all right, you right. want your brother? You're, that'll make you happy. You're right. going to get 25 sacks. All right, right. We're going to keep him on the roster. So I, did, I didn't see it, but I was like, I was expecting it. Yeah. I, I think I was as well, but, you know, he didn't play all preseason. No. And I don't think this is a guy, you know, he's not his brother. I mean, if anybody can sit out the entire preseason, it's TJ. You know what you're going to get from this guy. Snap one in Cincinnati next week. Derek Watt. I don't think should be afforded. But once again, like you said, if TJ said, hey, Derek doesn't want to play and I don't think you should. Okay, fine, TJ. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no. Whatever I, you want. Yeah. No, it, it was an odd move, but I expected it. I, I was expecting him to make the team uh, and, you know, he'll probably make the team next year too. Right. I mean, for no reason. But other than that, he's TJ Watt's brother. Right. I mean, you know, and if the Steelers don't want him wherever JJ's playing, right. then they'll take him because right. he's still pretty good. So, I mean, if you're going to live on your brother's coattail, I mean, why the hell not? Right. All right, so next week, uh, when hopefully all three of us are back together, we'll preview the Cincinnati game. We'll be ready to break it down for you and where the Steelers may have an advantage over the Bengals, vice versa, uh, and take a look at it and give our predictions for the game and for the season. But for now, let's turn to the Pirates. And since their front office could give a shit about the Major League team, same with us. We're not even going to talk about the Major League team. We're going to talk about the minor leagues, which, yeah, where we, they really care and what they, you know, it's all about Altoona we, and below. So let's we, talk we, there. We've taken a couple weeks off, and rightfully so, because it um, it is mentally taxing to talk about the major league ball club. Um, but I do want to shed some light on some of the guys in the minors. Um, we got off to a weird start this year with our minor league teams. Um, there was a lot of hope for a lot of mm-hmm. different players. Um Henry Davis is back. Um, he's healthy. And they have him taking some – practicing out in the outfield. Yes. Uh, well, Tom's old saying, you got to punch that, that <laughs> hoagie ticket at Subway to make sure you can get to the majors. So you got to play every position. He might pitch. Right. Who knows? <laughs> um, Davis is back, and he's playing well. He's one guy that could transform this franchise just like Adley Rushman's doing mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Look, when they brought him up, look at the tear Baltimore went on. So I'm bullish on Henry Davis, and I'm hoping he can finish this season strong. He's probably going to have to play in the Arizona Fall they, League. They've said he's going they, to. Exactly. Yep. So he's he's one guy to look at, and he's obviously our top prospect. Another guy I want to talk about is, and he's a ways away, but I, I want to give everybody an update on But he may him. not be. With that hit, that hit tool he has, he, he could be one of these guys that you see – because you hear other people, and I want to get your take on this. You hear other people all the time. Look, the Braves call up a guy. He's 21. This franchise calls, you know, the Mariners with Rudder. He's 21. He's 20. Tamar Johnson could be the could be the answer to that for the Pirates. This is a kid who could be up here when he's 20, 21. I, everybody started – I was reading some tweets, and people mm-hmm. were making fun. He started – you know, they moved him up to Bradenton after the Gulf Coast League. I think he only hit like 111. It was mm-hmm. weird. It's just he wasn't hitting. I, mm-hmm. He wasn't striking out, but he wasn't hitting. Mm-hmm. They move him up to Bradenton. He starts one for 11. And 
the last two games, he's five for six with three doubles. In the swing, I just keep watching that swing. You can't teach that. There's no hitting coach, especially Andy mm-hmm. Haynes. Mm-hmm. Who could right. teach somebody to hit right. a baseball like that? He has that hit tool, that hit tool everybody was talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, I, you know, you and I, I was watching the mm-hmm. draft, and Austin was watching it with me, and I was sitting there, and I was holding my breath, and I'm like, they better take this kid because right. this is a can't-miss kind of hitter. He, like I told you before, he reminds me of Robbie Cano. Mm-hmm. So he's now starting to get his feet under him at Bradenton. Even though it's low A, we got to remember this kid is a few months out of high school. And the difference between, I don't care if you're playing on any circuit, I, I don't care. When you get to the minor leagues, every one of those guys was the best in that circuit that they mm-hmm. were playing on. The best, not one of the guys, but they were the best. So he's off to, a, he's starting to get his feet under him. The start wasn't good, but he's starting to get there. Another guy I want to talk about is Andy Rodriguez. Oof. That we got in the trade last year. The three He could be the hottest prospect in baseball right now. Mark, he hit two home runs last night. One left-handed and one right-handed. Um, he is hitting at Altoona. Now, he's only been there for 18 games. He's hitting 362 with seven home runs and 20 RBIs, wow. 11 walks and 11 strikeouts, so walk-to-strikeout mm-hmm. ratio. Mm-hmm. And at high A, he hit 302. So combined for the season, he has 23 home runs and 75 RBIs. And he's thrown out five of his last seven runners behind the plate for all those people that said, oh, he's not really a catcher. He plays the outfield. He can play second base. The kid can. The kid's athletic. Mm-hmm. And some guys get, listen, if he could be Craig Biggio, mm-hmm. I would take that. Right. You can move him to another position. I don't care what position you move him to. We've seen this major league team hit. <laughs> this guy, this guy should get a shot this year. At the end mm-hmm. of the year, as right. a reward for what he's done this like year. Like they did with O'Neill Cruz like last year. Like they did with him. But unfortunately, probably won't because that means they would have to cut Josh Van Meter and that won't happen. <laughs> uh, the, the minor leagues are starting to come back, and mm-hmm. I'm excited. Nick Gonzalez is back. Nick Gonzalez has one. I know we you hammered him, mm-hmm. and rightfully so because – got to be on the field. got to be on the field. But the guy has the quickest right-handed swing I've ever seen. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's that lightning quick. And he, but he hasn't played enough. So when you're out for 10 days right. and then you come back, you do struggle. I don't care mm-hmm. how good you are. Right. There's very few guys that can roll out of bed and just hit without doing it for 10, 14 days. This guy missed two months mm-hmm. because of his legs. So Nick Gonzalez is coming back. There is there is room for optimism here. we got some good pitching prospects. Uh, Quinn Priester, mm-hmm. he's going to be in the rotation next year. He just knows how Burrows to Burroughs should be in the rotation next Mike year. Mike Burroughs is going to be in the rotation. That's a guy that should get a, a look at the mm-hmm. end of this year. So for all five of you Pirate fans out there, there is hope. And it, the problem is the guys are developing in the minors. We need a major league staff so, that can right. keep that that moving Mom, forward. Right. That momentum of them learning once they get here, it seems like they go backwards. Cal Mitchell just got called up today. Mm-hmm. I thought they were leaving him down in Indianapolis to win the triple-A batting crown for some reason. He's hitting 338. I don't know what else he had to do in the minors to to get a walk, but apparently now that the roster's expanded, they didn't have to cut Josh Van Meter to do it. (laughs) (laughs) They bring Cal Mitchell up, and they also brought up a Johan Oviedo, who they got in the the trade with uh, St. Louis, and they're going to put him in the rotation, and that was the reason they Mm -hmm. sent him to the minors when they traded for him. And also, one more guy I'm going to mention is Malcolm Nunez. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody said he hit home runs 
for the Cardinals because that was a, a friendly hitter's, hitter's, hitter's ballpark. Yeah. Well, He's hit five of them for us. So now he has 22 Two. home runs mm-hmm. or 23 home runs combined between both teams, and he has almost 80 RBIs. That's a guy to look out for next year, especially because he's a right-handed bat. So th- those are the guys I wanted to talk about this week. I didn't want people to forget about the guys that are coming mm-hmm. because we can forget about the rest of this season. Yeah. No, and hopefully next year we do. I mean, I think that's what needs to happen. Next year, you and I had this conversation. Next year, we better not see the Van Meters. The Sutsugos, the who else? Who did yo? What was it? Yu Chang, right? That has to stop. They have enough guys now. Troy Stokes Jr. Troy Stokes Jr. from two years ago. That has to stop. We better not see one of those guys because that, to me, is inexcusable next year. No, and we're going to hear all off season. Well, the Pirates didn't sign anybody. Well, who's I their, hope they don't. No, I, they that's better the not. point. That's always yes. been my point. Let these young guys learn. Please stop putting these guys in front of these guys. Just You're still losing. Losing's losing. Right. I mean, if you're not going to make the playoffs, I don't care if you lose all of them. It, the, the point of the game is to make the playoffs. Right. If you have no chance to make the playoffs, then I don't care how right. many losses you have. It, it, keeping a guy like Josh Van Meter or as much as I, I like, like Ben Gamble. Right. I do it makes like no Ben sense. Gamble. It makes no sense. It, what's it helping you win two or three more games right. on top of what you did? I, it makes no sense. So I hope. You know, we're, we're going to hear all the Twitter chatter mm-hmm. that they didn't sign anybody and they're cheap. And they are cheap. But the point is they're not going to sign a high-end free agent. And right. I don't want the guy at the bottom, you know, that, that fills out a roster, taking a spot away from a young guy that could develop while he's here. Because when you think about it next year, and then we'll move on to fact or fiction, you have a guy for every position, right? Think about it. Nunez should be at first base with Chavis, right? Second base, combinate Castro, um, Tuka Pita Marcano. Jin we buy. Jin we buy. We we haven't seen him. Apparently because Josh Van Meter will Right, exactly. Yeah. I just use him as an excuse Short for every guy I haven't brought up. Cruz, same thing. Castillo, yes. Diego Castillo. Hayes, obviously, a third. Uh, Mitchell Zawinski. Yeah, and Reynolds. Yeah. And then the catching is going to be markedly different next year. Thank God. Rodriguez should be the catcher next year. He should be the starting catcher with Davis right behind him at yep. some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, if you want to sign, you can always sign a veteran catcher. I don't mind that. And you can always sign one veteran starting well, pitcher. Sign Roberto Perez back. And, I'm and, okay with that. And, and to the, the Pirates' credit, the last two years, they signed um, the lefty, Tyler Anderson, Ty, right. who and made the all-star Quintana. team this year. And now they didn't get as much in return for Anderson right. as obviously they did as Quintana. But they're able. They seem to find a knack of yeah. If signing you want to sign a fifth starter, because you have Keller, catcher, starting pitcher. Yeah. But other than that, leave it alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Absolutely. Because the rotation next year: Keller, Brubaker, Burroughs, Contreras, and, Contreras, and Priester. Yeah. Yeah. You're so starting you want, to add a little depth. Yeah. Exactly. So if you want to sign a swing guy in case one of those guys isn't ready, okay, and you plug him in. Uh, Thompson should be in the bullpen next year. He and I should. think he's a good long reliever yeah, who can right. swing start if exactly. he needs to. If he I, needs I, to. Right. I don't have a problem with that. So time will tell. We're obviously going to talk a lot more about that in the offseason. Um, but that was a great update. Appreciate that. Thank you. Fact or fiction? Back to football. Keaton Slovis will be the starter. We talked a lot about Keaton. Um, Slovis will be the starter at the end of the season. No. Fiction. Fiction. No, yeah. absolutely not. He will not be the starter. I, I just got a feeling. I After watching that yesterday, I I could be wrong. I mean, I, listen, it's going to be a while because Darnduzzi is not going to pull him no, out of he's, there. No. He's not going to pull him out of there because the guy is never wrong. Right. Even though he's very very rarely had a good season, he's still never wrong. And he, he's going to go down with the ship. You know, so 
But I think at some point, Nick is going to be the starting quarterback of this team, either by injury or by poor play by this guy. So I, I, I definitely think that he's not going to finish the season as a starter. I agree. Fiction, for all the reasons you stated, I think we're all learning very quickly um, that unfortunately, for whatever whatever reason, and the reason could be he was throwing to three NFL run, uh, wide receivers his freshman year at USC, but that was an aberration and not truly who this guy is. So I agree it's going to be fiction. Nick will be the starter. I'm going to even take it a step further. Nick will be the starter halfway through the ACC schedule. I, I, I totally so, agree. Listen, Slovis, freshman year, had a great year. He finished in the top ten in the Heisman. we got to remember that team was seven and five. Right. That wasn't a good team right. with three NFL wide receivers. So I, I just don't see what everybody else sees, or I don't, or right. at least what, I don't. what Narduzzi sees. Yeah. And we're going to find out next week real quick early on in that game if this is the guy. Based upon yesterday's performance, Michael, fact or fiction, Pitt will finish in the top ten. Fiction. Uh, I, I said nine and three. I think this team is a nine and three football team. I think they'll finish, you know, any, anywhere between eighteen and twenty-three in, in the final AP poll, and uh, they'll go to another one of those who gives a shit bowls, <laughs> and uh, that's what Narduzzi does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, they're definitely not going to finish in the top ten. And that's it's the reason why I put the clause at the beginning based upon yesterday's performance. I agree with you, fiction. Um, I, I think if that is what we're going to see. If that team that was out there yesterday is what we're going to see this year. I, I, I Look, I predicted 11-1 as on the podcast last week. I was very bullish on this team. I, I thought for sure they were going to make a nice little run. Um, but based on yesterday's performance, I can't stand behind that. I, I think you're, we're, we're going to your realm where they're going to be 9-3, and three, even 8-4. and four. Yeah. Um, if they don't clean up a lot of things, this team's going to go to North Carolina and lose. They run the risk of going to Louisville and losing, losing next week at Tennessee, and definitely losing at Miami. That's four losses. So unless they clean it up, unless he makes a move at quarterback, um, that this team could be eight and four, nine and three. Under the Steelers, fact or fiction? Steelers will start three and zero. That's fiction. I haven't had a fact yet. Uh, yeah. I think this team starts one and two. Um, I just I don't think they're a real good football team. They've got players at certain positions. Uh, you know, you got your Watt, you got your Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got Najee, you got uh, Deontay. Firemoose, pretty good tight end, receiving right tight end. I want to yeah. put that disclaimer in the right, receiving yeah. tight ends. He couldn't block me. <laughs> um, but I, the, the offensive line's so bad. I think the corners are bad, mm-hmm. and the linebacking crew is thin. And I just think this is a team in the AFC. And I know everybody's cotton Cleveland out, and and I I don't quite see it. They got I, I know Jacoby Bursett isn't you know I mean he's not Dan Marino, but I think he can play, and I just think that that whole conference as a whole, the AFC West and then the Steelers conference, I I just don't see them finishing any higher than eight and nine. I think mm-hmm. if, if he finishes eight and nine, I think that's a good season. Now people here look through things with rose-colored glasses. And they'll say that's a bad year. You said it before. Mm-hmm. If, the, if he gets his team over 500 into the playoffs, he's the coach of the century. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, same thing. I think they're going to start one and two. I think they lose in Cincy. I think they lose to the Patriots. Uh, I think they'll squeak out a win against the Browns um, to go into the Jets game one and two. Uh, closing comments. Here we go. Wrapping things up. 
Yeah. Episode 27. 27. Here we go. Coming down the pike here. I, uh, I, my closing. Austin's been quiet over here. Very quiet. Yeah, yeah I am pretty This guy talks. He's laughing. I'll, I'll he's take, laughing over I'm there. He's taking but. in the atmosphere. Oh, he's soaking it in. Yeah, he's soaking it First in. First podcast. I can never live get him to stop person. talking. Now he won't right, say a yeah. word. This is odd. Uh, Let me just another shout out for this kid. Um, you and I have known each other 35 years. At least. I've lost track at this point. This Kudos to you. I've said it to you before. This is a great kid. He's as good as they come. He has it all. Of course, you know, he played baseball. That's, that's, that's great. To me, that was this candy on top and, 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 and the frosting on top of the cake. Um, and I haven't said it to you enough. I mean, I couldn't be prouder of somebody. I consider him like a nephew. Um, and I couldn't be prouder. And so with him here and with everybody, he, I want all everyone right. to hear it. I'm proud of you for the job you did raising him. I'm proud of Austin for the, for becoming the man that he's become. Well, I appreciate that. Like I always told him, I was, uh, you know, I was so proud of the baseball player he was, especially right. the way he ended his career at Chatham. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he was the team. He worked leader. his he ass off. Great. I mean, his senior year was. Fantastic. He didn't want to give up the fielding and, and the hitting. Yeah, that was, once he, he finally went, did, he, he realized wanted, the pitcher he, he could to be, be showy and the cannon that he had in his yeah, you know. in his right arm. Yeah, um, and he worked <laughs> his butt off to be the player he is, and I was proud of that. And, right. You know, he's the all time. You know, he's the best right. pitcher that's ever played at <laughs> right. Chatham. But I'm more proud of the man. He oh, is. there's so, no. Yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. I mean, there, no doubt. I mean, he's he's as good as they come. I appreciate that, Mark. Absolutely, my man. Proud of you. And it's nice to have him here. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure everybody out there that's been, listening yeah. um, realizes that about Austin. Great kid. Thank you. So that's my closing comment. Well, my closing go. comment, I don't really have anything sports related, but I, I just I, I want to give a shout out to my uh, cousin, Rachel, and uh, her husband, Logan. Uh, you know, I, I get to the beach on Tuesday. You know, I'm I'm an old curmudgeon. I drove <laughs> seven hours straight. Austin didn't I believe I actually right. drove seven hours anywhere. I don't even I'm drive. shocked still. I hate driving to Murraysville to come on for this thing, <laughs> let alone to Bethany Beach. But I, I went for my uh, cousin Michelle's wedding, and um, I had the honor of walking her down the aisle. But when I got there, I was tired. I was hot. I was sweaty. We go down to the boardwalk, and my cousin Rachel asked me, how are your guys' podcast going? And right. I, I haven't seen her in a long time. Right. She lives in Naples, Florida. Mm-hmm. I said, how good do you, for her. How do, you, how do you know about the podcast? And her husband, Logan, says, oh, we listen to them all. That's how I get my Pittsburgh sports talk. So I just want to give a shout out to them. I thought that was pretty cool that they they you right. know they go on Spotify because I never send it to them or anything. Mm-hmm. And they go on and, you know, they're, That's they're awesome. getting caught up. There are a couple Appreciate behind, you listening. But yeah. So Rachel and Logan, um, you know, if you guys have any comments or anything you want us to talk about, let us know. Yeah. And that goes for everybody. We always say it. And. We mean it. Text us if you know our, our phone numbers. We're not giving out our phone number over the podcast, no. but if you know us and you want to text us, feel free. Uh, otherwise, when we post it to Facebook or Twitter or whatever, comment on it. Yeah, please do. Um, please we do. love the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll always talk about if there's something you're thinking about that's not in your craw uh, that you want to get our take on, feel free. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll definitely incorporate it in. So, because you know, Rachel, thank you very much for listening. The rest of you, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Austin, thanks for joining us live. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, until next week, that pretty much does it for episode 27. All right. Have a great weekend, weekend, Labor Day weekend. Nice long weekend heading to the beach. Hallelujah. Um, and we'll be back at it next week. And like I said, we'll do a Steeler preview and we'll preview the Pitt-Tennessee game. I'm going to do a little homework while I'm sitting on the beach about Tennessee. Obviously, we know enough right now to, to be dangerous. But I'm going to look at some film, uh, look at a little more. I don't know, what can you gain from it? Ball State game, but uh, I'll look at that game and we'll be prepared to talk about 
Pitt, Tennessee, and give you a nice preview that you're not going to get anywhere else. So have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Hang in there. Take care. Be safe. See ya.